We're not experts, and the opinions expressed are solely our own. We'll do our best to be factual and correct any errors that might occur at a later date. The main point of this show is taking the fork in the road towards comedy whenever possible. There will be many forks in the road. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Drinking and Talking Animals. I'm Bob. I'm Mark. I'm George. Today, you get to hear uh, throaty bass Bob. <laughs> it's going to be amazing, everybody. And Merry Christmas out there, by the yeah, way. Right. Ho, ho, Well, I guess ho. it's Christmas Eve when you'll be hearing this. Uh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, yeah. y'all. Hopefully, this is the first thing you're doing. You're like, you know what I need to hear? Some drinking and talking animals. Got to get that in. Yeah. Before we open packages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before we handle packages. Hey. <laughs> hey Stay away from my package. <laughs> uh, I'm going to probably blast through the beginning of this because we got an absolute ton of stuff to yeah, cover do. on reindeer. Uh, and by the way, it's reindeers today. Uh, what? Yeah, that's how Santa got to your house, everybody. <laughs> Like fully fueled up reindeer doing the whole circumnavigation of the globe in one night, like you do. Right. That's because they can fly at 650 miles per second. Damn. That's fast. It is. Uh, Actually, they are pretty fast. Uh, Anyway, we're a member of the Chatter Network. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Drinking and Talking Animals, Twitter at DNT Animals, and email us at dntanimals at gmail.com. That's yeah. what I messed up last time. Yeah. Mark yeah. probably has that as a correction. No, he Bob doesn't. said at google.com. He meant Gmail. <laughs> you, you, self, you self-corrected. Yeah. And because it is the Christmas season, I figure it was a good time to do a shout out to a bunch of our very, very solid Instagram followers that tend to uh, enjoy the things we're posting. Santa. Uh, yeah. I mean, no matter how much George and I don't, uh, there are a lot of people out there that do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they yeah. say. Yeah. If you want to know who's really into uh, memes and puns, uh, see me. Take me and George out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's our own style at this point. Yeah, We're sticking is. with it. Bam. Uh, anyway, those folks are Damn Dem. Uh, I think. Dem must be his last name or first name. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, our Senate culture, those guys have been with us since the beginning and actually helped me with uh, quite a few things. Uh, we chatted privately, as a matter of fact. Uh, the Galactic Drinker, The Good, The Pod, and The Ugly, Tea Encrypteds, Brew Squatch, Beers Over Boston, Alvis JS, JFF. I think he's our foreign listener or One of them, liker. Yeah. Uh, I believe his name is Alvis or Alves. I'm not sure. We have a liker. Sorry if we messed it up. Yeah. Uh, all of these people are people that commonly like everything we put out there. Uh, we knew the moon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bamberg, Bamberg Hop. Preppy Frisco Girl. That is Carol Stripsky and her husband, Bill, it, when she forces him to listen. <laughs> uh, let's see. We got the best man at my wedding, and that was R.D. Trimble. 
or Doc if you're nasty. <laughs> I don't. Few of us know. old school folks call him Doc. Uh, AZ Dad 480. That's my cousin Brian. Uh, our good friends at Scream Team Pod, Redux Podcast, Hey Football Head underscore TCN, uh, Bloodshed and Bruise. It's just Chris Pike, uh, some weirdo that goes by Mark Dot Bauman seven five eight three nine nine, who always manages to like everything we post first. I don't know how he manages. To I don't know how he That's does it either. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, our awesome producer Max Foz. Boom. There you go. Yeah. So corrections. Correction. Actually, I want to give a shout out too to someone who is um, working on actually beating John Quancy. Oh snap! On for liking our stuff on Facebook. Taking the crown. He's he's working on it. That would be Mike Mills. Mike Mills. Mike Mills. Yeah. Longtime friend. I've known him. He's a awesome herpetologist. Herpetologist. Snake handler. Yeah. Actually, he does more lizards, and uh, he is a world class harmonica player. Huh. He is, yeah, good dude. I've known him for let's just not, let's just say a long time. Long time. Long time. All right. So he could give John Popper a run for his money, huh? Does, um, he, does he have a bandolier O harmonicas? No. Well, he should. Yeah, he could. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe right. he will. Corrections and clarification. Yes. First off, what did I do now? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Well, the good news is uh, the last one, I don't think you talked a whole lot. So, well, this is for Loggerhead. <laughs> Most of the, actually, all of these are out of yeah. Loggerhead. So, nothing, George. Nothing. So, you so, get nothing. This is basically a clarification. <laughs> Their shells are comprised of broadened, fused ribs with the backbone att- attached to the carapace. Because we were kind of, yeah, maybe. I think so, maybe, yeah. possibly. No, I said they didn't have rib bones. Well, they, well, some of us did. But you were talking ribs, like connected to spine ribs. It is. They are connected to the spine on the backbone, on the uh, through the shell. But the shell is the rib. Um, it, it's 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 part of the shell. The full the full shell isn't all rib. It's just because there actually are. The bones on, there are bone plates under the scutes, and below those bone plates, the ribs are fused up as is the backbone. Excellent. All Fused right. ribs. And then I had said that the all of the um, um, Teenage Ninja Turtles were red or sliders. I was incorrect. <gasps> I know. Whoa. Holy crap. No way. Leonardo. Was a red-eared slider. Oh. Raphael was a snapping turtle. Donatello was a soft-shell turtle. Mm. And Michelangelo was a box turtle. I'll be damned. I, I never knew that myself. I didn't either, and I thought, you know what? Let's just make sure. Yeah, in the cartoon, they're kind of all generically the same. So yeah. that must have been like the early lore I think, or yeah. something. I don't know. It's funny how often uh, cartoon corrections become so important for us. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Or old comic books, graphic novels, whatever you want to call them. And then I had said that uh, jaguars sometimes take uh, loggerhead turtles, and actually in Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and that was that was incorrect. Um, they take them to Costa Rica. Yeah. No, they actually <laughs> eat when they do their uh, 
preying on sea turtles, it's 99% uh, green. And then they grab a few hawksbills, and apparently there is one record of a leatherback. Huh. And Hang on, Mr. Jaguar. We're going <laughs> to Costa Rica. <laughs> That's what I pictured. <laughs> Oh, God. Morla. We'll get you home. Was the name of the turtle in Never Ending Story. Uh, Morla. But Morla. It, 100%. Lived in the swamp of sadness. It's got to be based on oh, the sure one you was. talked about, though. I'm sure. It I mean, was. that movie is so trippy. Yeah. Great movie, by the way. I need to watch it sometime. Yeah. Hey, do you want to figure out what kind of beer we're drinking? Heck yes. Hey. This so is a good one today. Today, we're drinking Samuel Smith's Brewery. Uh, Winter Welcome Ale. Now, Samuel Smith has been around since 1758, and it is Yorkshire's England's oldest um, brewery. You couldn't get any fresh beer? (laughs) Uh, It's a seasonal winter warmer. Um, ABV is 6%. IBUs are 32. Um, Malts are barley. Hops are Fuggle and Golding. And they've been using the same yeast since the 1800s. That I did read. Same, yeah, uh, yeah it must be an original strain yeah. that's specific to these guys. Uh, it was, let's see, I thought I put it on here somewhere. I guess not. The, oh, I did, but I can't read it because I highlighted it in blue. So anyway, <laughs> uh, it does say Tadcaster on here. And yeah. Tadcaster is actually a place in England as well that's, Yorkshire adjacent and I think that it's actually the original brewery is in Tadcaster otherwise why in the world would they put that on the freaking label and the logo but when yeah, you yeah so. but when you read their bio on their website yeah. well it says Sam Samuel Smith old brewery parentheses Tadcaster yeah so probably the yeah. original was but it there. does say Yorkshire uh, yeah. right adjacent to that and this also the label celebrated the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and then she went ahead and said well I'm done after that so yeah. <laughs> after she had the beer yeah exactly this is what took out the Queen everybody <laughs> this is a nicely colored, here here got nice decent head yeah well, One love of the that. Likes it. Mm-hmm. It is built upon a very sturdy malt backbone. That is for sure. But I actually uh, like it. Yeah, it's uh, these guys. I don't think they turn out a bad beer. No, mm-hmm. that's why I had no hesitation. When kind I of a thought about this one. Like a, if you have a, a beer flavor that you kind of expect that. Right. Like beer, beer. Right. It's a beer man's like beer. Like a like. If I was gonna imagine English beer, I would think of something like this. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what you would think of as like a winter warmer, like a very solid winter style beer. I think Max likes it too. Ha! Max likes it too. Aye. <laughs> yeah. Well, and who could forget the drinking game? Yeah, 
We do it live. We can do whatever we want now. <laughs> Sometimes you get tired of listening to the same old thing over and over and over and over. But anyway, hear a bell, take a drink. Hear a friend frog, take a drink. Uh, I think we decided on hear any weird whatever or drink whenever you want. But, or if we should yeah. happen to make somebody laugh. Yeah, exactly. If you kind of chuckle. <laughs> yeah, just take a drink to forget about it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I believe we should definitely take a commercial break before we get into everything because it's going to be rapid fire nonstop. Uh, I'm going to try to slow down, chill out. If I don't get to stuff, I don't get to stuff. And we'll pick it up again in a year's time. <laughs> there you go. Bam. Good. Warning. This podcast contains explicit content that is not suited for all listeners. Listener discretion advised. Did Kurt Cobain kill himself? No. Did Lee Harvey Oswald act alone? No. Was the moon landing faked? Maybe. Are we both drinking a crisp, delicious local craft beer right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you like true crime, conspiracies, creepy, and historical events, all while drinking and reviewing craft beer, tune into Bloodshed and Brews. We release an episode every Sunday. You can find us anywhere you stream podcasts and, of course, on the Chatter Network. Cheers! And we are back! Finally. About damn time. I know. That's what I was thinking. So, reindeer. Make it rain, dear. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had so many ones right now. I would totally make it rain. What do they sound like? Uh, I don't. I never actually chose to listen. I know they have. Uh-huh. A, they have an air sac that creates their vocalizations, and they are all about some getting busy. So that to, w- to the detriment w- of themselves. That's when they make noise. Yes. That is the reason. Oh, oh. <laughs> Not quite like that. <laughs> uh, that's probably pretty accurate. What do you call a reindeer in, at Halloween? I don't know. Caribou. <laughs> hey <laughs> Yeah, you got any more? Sure, why not? Let's just blow them out now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Blow them out your ass. What do you call a reindeer <laughs> wearing earmuffs? Muff deer. Anything you want, they can't hear you. <laughs> hey Yes. That's a killer one. And like you are correct, sir. Yes. <laughs> what do you call Santa's reindeer wranglers? Santa's reindeer wranglers. Jolly ranchers. <laughs> I feel like we're gonna have to get into like a Carson Ed, Ed McMahon yeah. segment with this stuff at some point. So. Open up an envelope. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm dippity done. do. I'm done raining yeah. these jokes it's on what you. What forms on your dippity first thing in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> let's rock through these basics. Some of them are just a little bit of a repeat. Uh, like the order. They're in artiodactyla. Uh, this is ancient Greek. Artios means even. Dactylos means finger or toe. Toes in this case, uh, they are another member of our even-toed ungulates. We've talked about many members. Yes, we have. Uh, the family is Cervidae. In Latin, service means stag or deer. And historically speaking, deer had a very broad usage in Old English, dior, and Middle English, der. <laughs> der. Der. Uh, it meant any wild animal, uh, which 
it didn't become more associated with uh, animals that have antlers until around the year 1500. And uh, it's also... Any uh, wild animal? It was any wild animal. Was it deer or deer? Would they have like 10 words? Uh, no, they didn't. Deer was just not anything they used. They used, you know, other words for the actual animal. Uh, like, you know, what sure. we call deer would have just been, it would have meant anything. Be like, which one? <laughs> the horny headed yeah. one. It's like how, it's like ordering a Coke in Texas. Which flavor? You know? <laughs> uh, but also the family contains the elk, munt jack, and moose. And a uh, little side note, I've never heard of a munt jack. Uh, but now that I know they're also called barking or rib faced deer, uh, look for them on a future episode because I had never heard of them at I'm all. I'm not mistaken, they're also the deer that had the protruding canines. Oh. Vampire deer. They're like, hey, dudes. <laughs> yeah. <This is> super. <laughs> yeah. Let's drink out of our moose mugs. <laughs> uh, they do have a subfamily and tribe, but for the sake of time and with everything that got stuck onto Mark's plate with species, uh, we're going to move on to genus, which is Rangifer. Uh, Charles Hamilton Smith is credited for the genus name, and it could potentially come from the Sami word, for reindeer, which was Rango, considering the Sami were a nomadic reindeer herding people living in northern Scandinavia. Yep. Uh, it probably makes sense, but also, just to be more confusing, Rangifer is Latin for reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that going for you, too. Yeah. Uh, so now good old Linnaeus comes along and added Tyrandus to create the original and for a long time only species. Yeah. And in ancient Greek, Tyrandos was their word for reindeer, going all the way back to Arabic. Aristotle. It's funny how much Aristotle's popping up these days. Yeah, I'm yeah. guessing like he must have been the original everybody gather around, let's talk about some animals guy back then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> have a drink. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if you let's ever have, have a you drink, let's poison? talk animals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this pissed off a bunch of people because there's an argument as to whether or not they were two separate animals, and thus the great reindeer versus caribou debate began. Oh yeah. Uh, the IU UCN tried to clearly delineate the two by plainly stating that they are caribou in North America and throughout their Eurasian range, they are known as reindeer. Uh, the thinking is that rain, or as it was spelled originally in Norse, H-R-E-I-N-N, rain, <laughs> is Norse origin. Uh, and also, that's what they called reindeer before deer meant deer. Yeah. Uh, so it was just, they called them rain specifically, and deer was added later. Uh, and then, you know, this is also way before they were associated with antlers. And caribou comes from the <coughs> Mi'kmaq word kalikpu, meaning snow shoveler. Uh, and that'll make a lot more sense later when we talk about how they find food in the snow. Yeah. Uh, for now, just know the origin was from a native population in Canada, and I think a little bit in the U.S., yeah. so the Mi'kmaq people. It looks like Mi'kmaq. And that's but. why part of why they're just resistant to go to the reindeer term, because it connects with the original people here in North, in North America. <clears throat> uh, right, because yeah. caribou... They didn't want to slight them. Yeah. Right, yeah. So we just stuck with caribou, but... Uh, and, you know, 
Mark's going to take it away from here, and I think that uh, we're going to get into some super interesting stuff because he's going to cover geography along with, uh, like, what the hell happened earlier this year that really got things confusing in the reindeer uh, world. Well, there used to be one species with ten subspecies. And then a brain trust decided, that's too easy. Let's just make it more complicated. Right. That's exactly what I got out of it. So now we have five species. And we're going to start off with the Arctic caribou group. And that's Rangifer arcticus. You know, because, you know, Arctic. Arcticus. Arcticus. Either way. And then in that group, we have the barren ground caribou which is um, Articus, Articus, and they are from the highlands. The Art, well, the high Arctic um, extreme islands of Nanak and the Northwest Territories, Canada, and Greenland. Yeah. Now, I'm going to talk, now these are, I'm going to back up a little bit. There's two types, actually three types of functions in their migrations. There are the massive migrations where um, the ones that are more found in more of the tundra areas um, will migrate up to 600 miles, mm-hmm. and they move into areas with that have a little bit of uh, trees and stuff during the winter because that's more forage there, and then during the summer they move up into the tundra where all the grasses come about. Mm-hmm. And so they eat massive amounts. And there can be thousands in those types of herds. Yeah, million so. in some herds. Well, managed herds. Managed herds. But I think there's also some wild populations, like I think George ran into this, that wildly swing. From, yeah, they, they all do. Right. They're all swingers. <clears throat> like, like within a 15-year period, go from 20,000 to 400,000. Right. Um, easily doubling in in a 10-year period. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now we have um, Articus uh, fortidens. That is the Rocky Mountain caribou, and they're basically restricted to the Canadian Rocky Mountains. And they migrate um, from higher altitudes to lower altitudes. Mm-hmm. So there's not a, it's not, it's just basically. They move with food. They move with the food. And then the other type of migration is called sedentary. Basically, they just stay in place. They have enough food and they don't have yeah, to go anywhere. They don't got to go anywhere. No. Then we have Articus granti. That's the Grant's caribou. And that is on the western end of Alaska. And the. I can't read my own writing here. Nailed it. And the. Never oh, the, the Alaskan uh, Peninsula and adjacent <coughs> islands. And they are also altitude uh, migrators. Yeah. And then we're going to go on to Montanus, which is the um, Seric Mountain caribou. And as you would guess, they're found in the Columbus Mountains, which includes the Seric Range, the uh Purcell Range and the um, Monashi Range, 
And they are also altitude. I have no idea where that's at. It's in Canada. Yeah. It's in Canada. And that's they're also an altitude ranger. And then we have um, Articus Osborni, the Osborne's caribou. Huh. And those are found it's in... Continually uh, lost. Yeah. <laughs> those Back are found in moon. British Columbia, Canada. <laughs> and they are also an altitude uh, migrator. And then we have Articus Perii, which is the Peary's caribou. And they live in the high Arctic islands also and the Northwest Territories. And they are also an altitude migrator. Yeah. And then last but not least, we have the Articus stoni, which is the stones caribou. And they're from the mountains of southern Alaska and south the southeast Yukon Territory in Canada. Yeah. And they're also an altitude. And then we have what's called the woodland caribou. Woodlands. Uh, they tend to live in more woody areas. Mm -hmm. And that is Rangifur caribou. Woody, uh, what? What? Woody, woody eye? No. <laughs> now we have the boreal woodland caribou, which is um, caribou caribou. Yeah. And they live in the forest, the boreal forests of Canada. And they are um, sedentary slash altitude, depending on the the um, lazy. Well, it just depends on how harsh a season it is. Right. If it's not a real harsh uh, season, they stay in place. If it's very harsh, then they move to a lower ground. Makes sense. Oh my goodness! And then we have caribou cabot, which cabot. would be the labbit, the labbit, labbit, labrador or ungula caribou and they're found in northern quebec and northern labrador and they are migratory mm. they do the big migrations yeah and then we have caribou terra novae which is on uh, the newfoundland new newfoundland newfoundland caribou and gee they're found in newfoundland yeah and they are actually i could not find anywhere where they talked about how they migrated Mm. But I'm going to assume they were probably an altitude one also. Right. Just from the turn. Newfoundland's a fairly mountainous region. Newfoundland. Yep. And then the next group are the forest reindeers. Yeah. Which is Rangifer uh, Fenicus. So Fenicus. Like a Fenicus Foxicus? Yes. Fenicus Fenicus is the Finnish forest reindeer. And they're found in northwest Russia and and Finland and are extremely migratory. They have one of the larger migrations. We have uh, Fenicus valentine, valentine, the Siberian yeah. forest reindeer. Manja. Manja, yeah. <laughs> Aquavelva. <laughs> yeah. They're found in the Ural Mountains yeah. of Mokianti. Russia. And the Altai Mountains of Mongolia, and they are altitude um, migrators. Yeah. And then we have Rangifer Groenlandix. <laughs> <laughs> I might have wrote that. Did I write that in? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Let's try that my again. Growing land dicks. My land. <laughs> See, yeah. that's something I didn't read it's, they could do. I penciled in my land dicks. Growing land dicks. That is the Greenland ra- reindeer. Mm-hmm. And they li- yeah. they uh, have a small range within yeah. southwest Greenland, and they're sedentary. Like, this episode's brought to you by Dyslexia. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Gr- and growing land dicks. Uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, my goodness. I love it. Where are we at here? I lost my place. <laughs> I think you were moving on to the losing land dicks. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Bam. Here we go. <laughs> we're back. Rangifer. <laughs> we're back, everybody. Uh, Platy. And you know, I'm just going to spell this one. P-L-A-T-Y-R-H-Y-N-C-H-U-S. It's also called the... S- Platyrhynchus. The Sybil, or S-Y-A-L-B-A-R, Silbard reindeer. And they're found on the archipelago, the Sibald archipelago in Norway. And they are also sedentary. Hmm. Cinema rinky dinky dink. Cinema rinky do. Then we have what are called the tundra or mountain reindeer, and they are. Um, God, this seems like way more than five species. Did you mean a hundred and five? No, because <laughs> there was a lot of subspecies. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm and those family, are like those family groups. <laughs> Rangifer, um, Tyrandus, and. So basically, that's the OG right there. Yes, Tyrandus Pearsons, um, which is the Pearsons reindeer, uh, like John and Michelle's. Yeah, probably. I don't have a reindeer. <laughs> yeah. When do I get mine? Actually, they're not the Pearsons reindeer. The Noria Zim- Zimala reindeer, and they live in the Novaya. Zemla Archipelago of Russia. Ah. And they're also sedentary. And then we have... Um, That's one of the biggest groups, I believe. Yeah. Tarandus. They do well in Russia. Too well. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's Tarandus Phylarchus. And they are found in... They are also called the Kamchatka reindeer. And they're found on the Kamchatka peninsula in russia and then we have tarangus uh, sibiricus the siberian tundra reindeer and they are found in siberia and they are also a large migrator and then of course we have tarandus tarandus which is the uh, mountain or norwegian reindeer and they're found in of course the arctic tundra tundra um from uh, Norwegian into Norway, and there's also a small uh, group of them in Iceland that was introduced. Now, um, how'd they introduce them? Ah, good. Hey, how like, you doing? Like, hello, welcome to Iceland. <laughs> now, the ones in Iceland are sedentary. <laughs> Do you like fermented shark? And the other ones are migratory. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, 
And that's it on the. <laughs> the th- oh. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> it, it's. Yeah. I told you guys it was going to be a lot, and I yeah. actually felt bad because I was like, I'm absolutely not doing this. I felt bad too. <laughs> yeah. What do you got today, George? Nothing. Nothing? You have nothing to say about reindeer at all. You're like, well, I'll probably take up this seat and microphone, but I have nothing to say about reindeer. <laughs> so, um, well, other, I mean, I have things to say about them. Hell, yeah, you got things to say. What are they? Jeez, bro. What's, what was your most interesting thing that you found, I guess? Um, their susceptibility to anthrax was an interesting mm. thing. See, I didn't even run into that, and I've got a bunch of weird stuff. And, and mainly it was that the really large herd that's in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, the num- their numbers had gone way out of control, like over seven hundred thousand. And simultaneously, the Russian government decided it'd be a good time to stop vaccinating them for anthrax. And so, as as the ice melts over the tundra, they they learned ultimately that there was anthrax scattered throughout the whole area. So any of the animals at any time could get it. Right. So it would be a good place to do the vaccines, and they decided, no, nah, we don't have to do that now. So, like, 17 people died. They had to evacuate a whole region <laughs> of people. Right. It included um, one of their biggest oil-producing areas, so nobody was really very happy about having to evacuate. Because anthrax kind of grows readily on that type of animal hair, right? Well, it's it's present in soil yeah, all over the world to, to some degree. Mm-hmm. And... Does it kill uh, the reindeer? Uh, yeah. Oh. It, it can. Um, but it's a, a bacterial thing. Hmm. Um, but anyway, they, they have since come to their senses, and now they have a huge vaccination program going on where they literally are going to vaccinate 400,000 right. reindeer. So, in a sense, all of the caribou and reindeer are managed to some degree. There, right. there aren't any that are just out on their own completely. Right. Because of things like communicable diseases, and they, they all feel like they have a obligation to try to do something about them. Right. Because I think when I read about the managed herd in Russia, the current most current number I could find was 950,000 yeah, is the number of animals they, they currently they manage. They were just recently talking about culling 250,000 of them. Mm. So that's, you know, and the right. and the the indigenous people that own them, they're not very excited about that. They're going, hey, we got a bunch of money in the bank. Right. Literally, that's their bank. And so they're not real hot on the idea of whacking a quarter like, of them. Like cashing in all at once? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got to sell off all this stock. <laughs> but the vaccination does work, and, and almost everywhere else where it's a potential threat, they do vaccinate for anthrax. Huh. That the makes vaccine. total sense. But it, it, it's an example of how their their populations can go way far out of line. Yeah, um, and it seemed to be like, you know, starvation is huge. When the population's too much, they don't right. have a whole lot of food to live the on anyway. carrying so. capacity of a given area is what it is. Right. Um, like some of the island populations, um, one of them I read about it, it, it peaked at like 12,000 animals, and they they 
ultimately did the math and the island could only support 5,000. Well, mm-hmm. by that time, it's already too late. They're virtually all starving. And right. They and then the population went down to like 200. Yep. And that that and that's not unusual for caribou to have those massive mm-hmm. fluctuations. Just like a huge population be, because of how, how easily they breed. That can be back to oh yeah, back to millions of rabbits in a second. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. They are prolific breeders. <laughs> Do you did you cover breeding? Uh, I've got way more before we get there, but All right. yeah, uh, I, got, I got breeding. There's a little bit of a of trying a, to slip it in before it. Yeah, huh? he was. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> if uh, you know, I'm sure we're not going to spend a whole lot of time today describing them like in detail because if you've seen anything with Santa in it, you've probably seen a reindeer. There you go. Uh, you know, or Santa. Caribou. Santa is very uh, right. I mean, I'm going to say reindeer all day because we're calling the episode reindeer. The whole thing started from if you go back in time to last year and we covered Krampus and St. Nick, there's a little bonus story at the end about people drinking reindeer piss that gets them high. Uh, go back to that one. It's a really fun listen uh not i mean if you just want to fast forward to the end and just listen to about how people drink reindeer piss to get high uh i totally recommend it (laughs) i I kind of followed up on that a little bit just briefly and there there actually is stories of of the herders purposely feeding little bits of the uh, one mushroom to i would believe it to them to watch them jump around and dance and they they Mm -hmm. think that might be where the idea of them flying yeah, and that's that was the origin of that. I think we covered that in the last year's deal. Not that anybody's going to go back and actually listen, but uh, I, I didn't know the, they were actively feeding it to them. Which I think the people were actively high and probably fed them <laughs> like, the mushrooms. I like to being watch high. Them I like fly. being high, so you right. probably will like being high. <laughs> like, hey, check this out. We can totally make them jump around and go nuts while we just chill and uh, sit on the porch here in our Adirondack chairs and watch the reindeers dance. Uh, I think it was that weird. And there, we, I got so much stuff involving urine today. You guys aren't even going to believe it. Uh, but anyway, first of all, uh, we call them, we don't call them bucks, does, and fawns in nope. favor of the terms we use for cattle, and which is bulls, cows, and calves. The exception is sometimes males are called stags, groups are called herds. Yep. It's real simple with that. Uh, their hooves change with seasons. In the winter, the foot pads shrink and tighten and exposes more of the hoof for traction in ice and snow and digging up their delicious winter food, lichen. I know. I, know. I shrink and tighten when it gets cold. Yeah, I was in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> you can't dig anything with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah Max, that's what Max is, uh, one of his classics. Yeah. I was in the pool. <laughs> uh, in the summer, the foot pads become larger and more sponge-like, and that's for getting around on that soft Arctic tundra. Yep. You know, once the permafrost gives way a little bit and, you know, ground is softer, I guess they probably don't want to muck it up too bad with their sharp hooves. So, anyway, uh, they rely on a species of moss called Cladonia rangifarina. And if you're still with us after all the species stuff, okay. uh, this will sound familiar because its common name is reindeer moss. Uh, Moss is a bad name for it because it's actually a type of lichen, and it's high in carbohydrates and contains a fair amount of vitamins and protein, and oddly enough, also does very well in Florida. (laughs) Yeah. It's not just a a frozen climate plant. It uh, is very prolific. Well, when they get to Florida on 
Christmas, they need a little snack to get Right, exactly. Back. And that's why they keep it in yeah. Florida. That's a little stopover feeding ground yeah. for uh, Santa's reindeer. <laughs> uh, lichen actually makes up 60 to 70 percent of their diets in the winter. Uh, depending on species, they can digest anywhere from 40 to 90 percent of the organic matter it contains. And that is way better than any sheep or cow could do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so they use every bit of what they can get in the winter. And they have really cool ways of dealing with a little bit of the uh, deficits they get from vitamins and protein. So there's some cool stuff here. But anyway, it all begins with the fact that they're ruminants, uh, just like cows and sheep. And oddly enough, our Hoatzin stinkbird, yeah. uh, which does a similar process in its crop. But as you know, they have multiple stomachs, the first of which is called the rumen. It contains bacteria along with the reindeer's own digestive enzymes that allow them to survive on that mostly lichen diet. Uh, the carbs are plentiful, uh, but the protein and minerals are not so much. So what they need is a nitrogen supplement in captivity. Uh, but in the wild, they have a really cool way to produce it, and it's called their own pee. Yep. <laughs> uh, and more specifically, the urea in their pee. Uh, since urea is naturally high in nitrogen, their kidneys concentrate it and return it to the rumen. There, the bacteria use it to ferment the lichen to make protein through bacterial protein synthesis. Yep. So this Making is actually— shakes, man. They are. They're using their own urine yeah. to filter back into their first stomach to create a process mm -hmm. by which the bacteria actually produce protein that keeps them alive in those cold climates. Gives it so, that special twang. And they say that their kidneys are so good at this that 71% of the urea produced in winter is recycled to their guts. Yep. Uh one that came up with another cool way of dealing with things. <laughs> and I don't even know if you mentioned this, but the Svalsbard reindeer in Norway uh, live in some of the most inhospitable places in the world and yeah. endure eight months of winter every year. Yeah, uh, They found a super weird way to make a little uh, extra food uh, in the summertime, and that is by eating goose shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the summer, barnacle geese live around the lake of Spitsbergen and eat almost all of the available grass and some of the moss as well. Uh, they don't digest it very well, though, so guess who can with that bacteria <laughs> and enzyme-active gut along with some sweet, sweet pee-pee. Would that be uh, reindeer, Bob? Yeah, our friend's the reindeer. They, right. should, they should eat the geese. Yeah, exactly. Well, it turns out that uh, the reindeer are actually choosy, and they prefer pieces of goose shit that contain little specks of grass versus moss. <laughs> uh, they actually, it's they studied this, and they will uh, actually yeah, no, they'll gobble up the goose poop with grass bits well before moss bits. Uh, and turns out geese also poop six to eight times a day, which I did not realize. Uh, Would never kiss a reindeer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <On> yeah. <the> <laughs> hip. yeah, not if you're on Svalsbard, that's no. for sure. Uh, the researchers actually observed the reindeer chasing them away to eat the poop immediately upon uh, leaving the goose's body. <laughs> Hot one. Uh, right. And uh, it's not enough to feed them all, but they figure that, you know, it actually is a little bit of a supplement for the lucky few that venture down to the shore of the lake to <laughs> use this uh, secondary food source. So that was just a weird aside about, you know, you don't run into a lot of animals. Just to a tasty, other animals. A tasty little something before their meal. Yeah, yeah for sure. 
That, uh, I saw that, and you told me you were going down some weird side roads. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to leave that one for Bob. Oh, yeah. There's so many. I got a bunch, but, you know, uh, they basically have the same hair like polar bears. They have yep. uh, thick uh, undercoat, hollow outer hairs. That's also what gives them a little bit of a white appearance. Yep. The hollow shaft traps air and creates insulation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Hollow shaft. Exactly. Hey, first spell of the day. Exactly. That was the first spell of the day. Damn. Uh, first lagging. They're also excellent swimmers. The hair helps because it's buoyant, and they ride, They sit higher in the water. Uh, they often cross the Yukon River during migrations. That is the third longest river in North America and is as much as half a mile wide in places. I think I remember reading that they sit the highest of any ungulate in the water. They do, and it's all because of the buoyancy yeah. of the hollow hairs. Uh, they also swim three times faster than the average human at up to six miles per hour, which just so happens to be Michael Phelps's top speed ever. <laughs> so just think about this, that you've got a huge animal that can swim as fast as Michael Phelps ever could all the time. <laughs> if for that makes half, sense. For a half a mile versus a hundred yards. Right. And the National Park Service says that uh, calves only a couple of months old have been documented swimming between islands that are a mile and a half apart. Yeah. And when we talk about calves after mating, uh, they are incredible little buggers. Oh, they uh, are. Right from the get-go. Yeah, they are. Uh, so also, uh, our reindeer have long legs, and you would think they'd lose a lot of heat from it, but they don't because they have the interwoven blood vessels where the cold blood returning from the legs is heated by hot blood going to the legs. So they really don't lose a lot of heat, and they have a similar system in their noses uh, whereby yeah. cold air coming in uh, passes over a warm mucous membrane, is heated to body temperature, becomes saturated with water, on its way to the lungs, and as you know, cold air tends to be dry air, so yeah. this helps them, you know, keep their lungs moist, I guess, moist. Moist. Uh, when exhaling the warm, humid, the warm air, it flows over a cold mucus layer, which cools it, it condenses into water, and that is collected by special folds directed back to the back of the nose and back into their throats. Yep. That's how they retain water in that cold climate. And Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Back of their throats. <laughs> and, you know, the big bell. <laughs> it's actually relatively uh, cool, dry air when they exhale. You won't see, like, the you look, when you see, like, a pissed-off elk in the wintertime and it makes the huge blasts of, you know, uh, like, seeing your own breath, basically. Yeah. You won't catch a lot of that in reindeer. No, they're, they're very, almost like our camels. Uh, they're readily adapted to conserving all of the water they can because you live in a frozen climate. You're not going to drink a lot of liquid water uh, very often. But, you know, I don't know what they do for that. Do they eat snow? It inadvertently picked up by when they're munching on snow. and Yeah. I, I think mean, they lichen, probably. Lichen and yeah. grass or whatever they're kicking Mostly. up. Most of your Arctic animals have ways of gaining moisture by not eating snow. Right. It, it's got to be from through, food, then, I mean. From their foods or um, the processes. Right. Other like, processes. Other processes. Yeah. Uh, and a little bit on the migration thing. They don't all migrate, but those that do travel a long way, 
and a study regarding the longest terrestrial migrations published by Scientific Reports said that reindeers and gray wolves were the only species species that exceeded 621 miles, or by random chance, that is 1,000 kilometers. <laughs> yeah, uh, not that it was rounded off in right. kilometers. <laughs> exactly. And they travel an average of 23 miles per day. Yes. And they're capable of much more than that, uh, for sure. I'll take a little more of that delicious elixir. <laughs> as you can tell, my throat needs it. It does. Yeah. I'm going to get more raspy as we go. So, uh, George, I think you also mentioned this already, but they can see things we can't. Like carbon dioxide? Nobody can see carbon dioxide. You said they could. No, but they can see ultraviolet. No, I said Greta Thunberg could. Oh, I gotcha. They can see. They so do. that was one of your funny, funny jokes. They can see ultraviolet, though. The most funny. They can see ultraviolet. Uh, and a little bit more on that. Uh, we can see wavelengths around 400 nanometers. They can see 320. Yep. And that includes the spectrum we can only see under black light. And uh, from everything I could gather, this is what actually helps them pick out you know, potential food sources and predators in whiteout conditions. Because yep. when everything is shiny and white and they don't have sunglasses, uh, having a little bit different eye to you know, differentiate things in bright white light is kind of important for these guys, and that, I think, is where the adaptation comes from. So if we're on the eyes, did you cover the eye color change? No, well, I did not. I'll, I'll throw that in real Do quick. It. During the summer, they have yellow eyes, and during the winter, they have blue eyes. And the reason for it is... is They're the, full of pee in the summer. Like natural sunglasses? Basically, um, during the winter, it's, it's dark all the time. Mm -hmm. And what that, that blue um, in their eyes allows them to see, basically, it's like night vision. Yeah. So they can see, Ultra it gathers, the, that blue color gathers more light. Whoa. Max just there put you a go. picture up there. Yeah. Gathers That's more light. Nice. And they're one of the only animals that actually changes eye color. I believe huh. they are the only It animal. looks like a messed up lemur. It yeah. does. <laughs> Like an asymmetrical, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it allows right. during the during the when they're going for you know almost daylight almost all day long, the yellow helps protect the eyes, and then when they go into the dark all the time, the uh, the blue helps them see gather more light, hmm. and so they can see their predators. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost like kind yeah. of a brownish, almost like tiger's eye. Yeah. That's weird. I, I didn't follow up more than they could see ultraviolet. Well, I'm glad I... I know. That was ex that. an excellent addition. You're welcome. Uh, a little bit on antlers. Uh, their size are based on their habitat. Woodland reindeer tend to have smaller uh, antlers as to not get tangled in the brush and trees. Uh, Makes sense. When you're out in the open, Ow, damn it. those Ow. suckers can <laughs> get as big as they want. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, they have the second largest antlers of any extant deer, only outdone by the moose. They do, however, have the largest antlers relative to body size. Yes, they do. Uh, they are huge racks. They have huge racks, y'all. Hey, up here, buddy. <laughs> I, are you done with antlers? 
I don't know. Uh, I got a couple of things. Uh, the number of points has to do with how well fed they are for the first five years of their lives yep. and the environment they live in. Uh, the points remain relatively constant after five years of age. And regardless of size and points, uh, they're there for one reason, and that's fighting. And they're shed after the rut in late fall or early winter. On the males. Right. And unique among deer. Uh, females, uh, among more than 45 species of deer, female reindeer and caribou, uh, also grow antlers. And since pregnancy obviously takes place after the rut, females retain theirs until the spring, and they're used to defend their food sources from males and females alike to ensure good nutrition for their baby. And the males lose theirs before December, so what does that say about Santa's reindeer? It was interesting... Uh, I read something that said they they some of them hang on to them through the end of the year. There's but right, but if you neuter your mm-hmm. reindeer, they they adopt the same thing that the females do. They hang on to their antlers until the spring. Yeah. So I'm thinking Santa's reindeer are neutered. Well, and you know, like when you watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, where do they live? I mean, I think a couple of them live in caves, but, yeah. you know, they yeah, usually I, have stables. And almost yeah. every movie that involves Santa and his reindeer, they're, they're in stable. So I would say that, you know, those were the three choices that I got out of it. There was actually an article about it. What's the problem with Santa's reindeer? Uh, <laughs> and it turned out that they're either castrated, domestic, or female. <laughs> there was only three I'm options. going with female. Yeah. Well, you know, Donner and Blitzen just don't seem like female names to me. There's a there's or some Comet, that are. I Vixen. thought they were kind of a mix. It's but Vixen. Yeah, Vixen. Yeah, but yeah. Cupid. Comet, Cupid. No, that's not a girl name. Right. Cupid was a guy. Yeah, it's true. So, you know. Shooting love I think they around. were just neutered. There's no way to tell. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, have you not watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I've seen it, yeah. Are there ball sacks hanging? I mean, I think for kids, probably not. (laughs) I'm telling you, they're neutered. Uh, This is where I had us built in to go to mating. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let's let's go a mating, Mark. Let's go some breeding. Yeah. All right. Well, the rut lasts for about 11 days, and it's in October. Um, the tundras aggregate. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Rudolph. Oh, okay. His, his girlfriend. I know. Kissy face. Yeah. The um, the tundra forms aggregate in up in herds that are huge. Um, so the males tend not to do so much combating. They basically look around. They size up each other's racks. <laughs> and decide, you know what? It's just not worth it because they have thousands of females to choose from. Mm-hmm. Now, when we get into the woodland ones, they have much smaller herds, anywhere from uh, 6 to 20. And so they vigorously defend their territories, defend right. their things. So, yeah, there's more there's more battling when you're in the woods than you are up mm-hmm. in the open plains. Um. Oh yeah, and it's called it's the the woodland ones. The males maintain discreet harems. 
discreet harems. Yeah, I read that in numerous different places. Discreet harems. So, um... Maybe it was just one article copied several times. Yeah. <laughs> so, both varieties have a single calf mm-hmm. is born um, in May or June. They have a seven and a half month gestation. Mm-hmm. Uh, reindeer milk is the richest of all the ungulates. Mm-hmm. It's like 10% uh, fats. It's 22% butter fat. Oh, butter fat. Okay. 10% there. protein. That's a, it was a 10% protein. Yeah. Which the 22. is why. 22% butter fat's insane. Oh, it is. Cons- I, I think regular That'll cow milk. That'll give a mustache. Cow, whole cow milk, three to four. Yeah. Human milk, three to five. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's which is why it is a, an important uh, food source for the uh, indigenous people. Uh, sort of, but they can only produce about two cups a day per animal. But so you know what? When a, you have that much Right. You that have much? to have a lot yeah. of animals to have any type of an, of a productive reindeer milking program. Right. Uh, it takes a lot and of... it's hard to warm your fingers up there. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> 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 yeah, they and have it, milk yeah. and gloves. And again, it is the richest of the ungulates. The calves are weaned at five to six months, but they can start eating plants at one month and can survive on their own at three months if mom... Um, dies right because and they basically when they're born they're able to run within an hour and they can actually hit speeds of 50 miles an hour yeah it said uh it's it's amazing uh, 90 minutes after they're born they can run as fast as an olympic sprinter yeah and in a mere few hours they can keep up with the entire herd and yes that means 37 to 50 miles an hour was common uh, they are only slightly slower than the pronghorn, which is 55 miles an hour. They're the second fastest land animal. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you know who number one is. That would be the cheetah. Yeah, our good friend, the, the cheetah. Arctic cheetah? Yeah. The Arctic the cheetah. Arctic cheetah. <laughs> the tundra cheetah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, The calves also don't have the cute little spots like most other deer species, and this is because they can keep up with the herd right away. They don't need to hide or lay down. Uh, Half of all calves don't make it to adulthood through predation. Yeah, wolves aren't that fast, but they're persistent. Well, no, and it's not just. It's lynx, bears, wolves, and golden eagles. (laughs) So they're nailing from above and, you know. Right. Yeah, I read one article. The Norwegians kept a, a pretty good log of um, what predators killed how many. I mean, like down to the individual animal. And the reason for that was is they compensated with cash the, yeah. the, the Sammies for loss, depending yeah. on some of it was depending on what kind of reindeer, reindeer it was. Was it an adult one? Was right. it a calf? So it's almost um, like an L and I payout. Yeah, it's like, and, well, what did you lose? An was, eye, a thumb. And then they kept the ones killed by golden eagles separate, and then they tallied them up at the end of the year, and then gave a, a money to whatever region that happened in. Huh? So, yeah, they're they're a, <clears throat> and the, uh, golden eagles are uh, um, circumvent the globe in the northern hemisphere. Huh? It's just not here in North America. Right. I mean, circumcise. No, yeah, they circumcise the globe. Huh. Now they're. Um, <laughs> In captivity, well, actually, age-wise, age, age wise, uh, reindeer can live up to um, 
15 years in the wild and 20 years in captivity. Says who? Says about two or three Says different Santa. ones. Well, what do you got? I got some really crazy stuff about that because uh, let's let's go back a little bit. Uh, males are total assholes when they rut. The aggressive oh, yeah. ones. Well, that's normal. Uh, they're aggressive, destructive, dangers to their handlers and other reindeer, and it greatly affects their health as the dominant males will lose up to 35% of their total body mass during the rut. Uh, only 11 days. It takes a lot of skill to manage a herd when all of your males start going crazy to the point of getting past the rut is really hard. Uh... And even as de- yeah. even as short as it is, they go so insane. And can you imagine losing thirty five percent of your total mass? Uh, I would love to lose you just like through through mass. starvation and stress created by the the hormones of the rut. So this is crazy. A few of them started using Depo Provera in their <laughs> herds. Uh, yes, that Depo Provera yeah, is exactly used for birth control. Uh, it I helps was to. Say, why don't they give them some? female reindeer pee well some estrogen maybe (laughs) Uh, (laughs) everybody else likes it yeah Uh, (laughs) this helps to counteract the behavioral changes and ideally the bulls get the injection at the first day that signs of velvet shedding occur as that is supposed to be the initial sign of the coming rut uh, they still mate, but much less aggressively. Uh, bulls that receive the injections also live longer, as the typical lifespan is only seven to eight years, while females commonly live 14 to 18. Uh, it reduces many of the raging hormones that are that the males are prone to. Uh, without it, a common cause of death in males is heart attack due to the stress of elevated hormones. Uh, Going through multiple ruts and yeah. the stress of losing that much of your body mass. But when managed, uh, and these are like our hardcore yeah. rudders. Yeah. They're, they're not like the more docile, you know, uh, discreet harem style uh, <laughs> Oh, no, reindeer. it would be the discreet harem style these are the These are our major fighters. These that's, are the ones which that... Which are the ones that have the, okay. the woodland <laughs> yeah. ones. The yeah. woodland type are the ones that do the major fight. So they get the so, estrogen and then they so, go around with slippers and a robe on. All yeah, the time. and yeah. I don't think it's uh, I don't think that Depo Prover is actually estrogen. It was uh, I didn't write it down, but it's, it's a, a it's a different. It is a hormone that kind of helps with it'll all be that, a correction. But, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the bulls that receive it uh, generally make it to 12, and that's a little better than 7 to 8. So, you know, uh, but I think, you know, obviously everything always has a longer lifespan if they manage to be able to live well in captivity. Yeah. So, but anyway, I got, we got go no crazy more. from here. So, got no more? Come uh, on. We got, we got time. Yeah. Uh, go for what it. do you guys want to hear? Like stuff about urine? Uh, I've got so many things. We got differences between domestic and wild. Uh, Let's go to the urine. Yeah, exactly. Go to the base. Go yeah. to the base. This part's really fun That's anyway. Uh, there we so, go. <laughs> reindeer love urine. <laughs> like other deer, both sexes will urinate on their own legs when relieving themselves. And what do you do while you're urinating on your own legs? That's Missile. right. You rub them together, of course. <laughs> oh, uh, hell yeah. yeah. I was uh, going to say whistle. Right. Yeah, yeah that too. Uh, uh, so that sprays urine into the air and helps them to get it on their hard-to-reach hocks. <laughs> uh, don't uh, worry. It's for good reason. Hock it up, uh, man. <laughs> 
During the rut, that lovely scent that develops on our males acts as a signpost so that others can tell pretty much where he is at all times because he's yeah. a stanky, urine-filled feller. Uh, the dominant male is basically the center of town in a moving territory, so stay away from that guy unless you want to fight. And it seems like a good idea in general to stay away from the guy that smells the most like pee. With a big boner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the boner guy that smells like urine. Oh. Right, exactly. Max had the bell stuck to it. Uh, so it doesn't end there because males also have been known to dig a small hole, pee in it, and then rub their nose in it yep. for as much as 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever, num, num, num. whatever he doesn't rub up, females will come along and use those same little urine holes to rub their noses in as well. It's uh, it's fun for the whole family. Doesn't folks. everybody do that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a fun little game you play in the tundra. Uh, and they don't just love their urine; they love our urine. Ah, <laughs> uh, their them diet, the mountain good. <laughs> yeah, their diets lack salt, and on the coast, a few sips of seawater does the trick. But away from the coast, it's kind of hard to come by. Uh, unlike other deer, reindeer are especially attracted to human urine. This may be how our ancestors decided to try theirs and got the added bonus of a hallucinogenic high. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. <laughs> They were yeah. like, well, if they like the taste of ours, shouldn't we? It seems fair to try theirs, right? Yeah, you know, you know? <laughs> yeah. Turn around, turnabout's fair play. Damn straight. Uh, so, anyway, the uh, Inupiat people of Alaska, or Inupiat—I don't know how to say it. Inupiat. Uh, Inupiat. <laughs> he just—I'm not sure. No. <laughs> It's—it's got to be P. Inupiat. Uh, anyway, they used to take advantage of the love of uh, the reindeer's love of our urine to bait pitfall traps with their urine, uh, since, you know, you were just going to let it go to waste anyway. <laughs> so the passing reindeer smells the sweet, sweet elixir in the air and says, oh, boy, and then it falls into a pit of spikes and dies and becomes food for our Alaskan natives. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> an ancient hunting technique. To use pee? No, to use a trap. trap. But this is awesome because all they need to bait the traps is human pee. It's like the perfect bait. And a rock. You've got it everywhere you go. Like, you don't even need to put it in a backpack. No. You're like, well, I'll just drink some water. And I'll just keep. We'll, we'll make it on site. I, I just I'll just write drink my name. Lovely beer. And... Yeah. I wrote, reindeer, come here. Yeah. I just wrote reindeer and arrow towards the trap. Right. Uh, the Tozu people of Tuva in Russia said, hold my vodka, and thought, why not use urine? To, why use urine to kill when we could use it to tame them? Uh, they offer the good stuff along with plain old boring regular salt as offerings to the reindeer, and that compels them to return to their campsites. Uh, while they fear the smell of humans, the urine is just plain irresistible, and they learn to associate humans with salt and occasionally seek them out. Uh, the men actually re relieve themselves outdoors near their houses, and often in a hollow stump they build for the reindeer specifically, because in the winter, when you relieve yourselves in those super cold temperatures, it immediately freezes into a pea sickle, <laughs> and the reindeer... Reindeer can come lick the delicious pea sickle whenever they like. Uh, they're so in love with it that there are reports of them gathering around or even running to a man that appears ready to urinate. <laughs> hey, and, hey, 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 yeah. hey. 
And Don't get too close. <laughs> you know, uh, and I only have one example of a turnabout being a fair play. And oh this one is bad news for the reindeer because there's a wee bugger out there that takes advantage of the reindeer's urine in an unusual way. Uh, in July and August, it isn't uncommon to see reindeer violently shaking their heads, stamping their feet, and racing around like they have the zoomies for no reason. Uh, the reason is parasitic flies. Yep. Uh, bot flies are bad enough, but uh, they become the target of a particularly nasty bot fly called the Cephanemia trump. Uh, this little flying bastard dressed up like a harmless fuzzy bee uh, doesn't actually lay eggs under the skin like most bot flies uh, to let the larva develop under your skin. Uh, this crazy bastard shoots tiny maggots directly into the noses of the reindeer. Uh, they develop in the nasal passages for a bit before burrowing deeper into the sinuses and throat. Uh, by spring, the larvae have grown so much that they can form a mass large enough to interfere with breathing, and ex in extreme situations, uh, there can be as many as 50 larvae in the nose to the point of suffocation of the animal. Uh, once fully grown, if they don't get all blocked up, uh, they're usually expelled via sneezing or coughing, at which point the maggot hits the ground, burrows under to spend the winter developing into an adult fly, only to emerge the next season to start the process again. So how do they find the herd? Easy. Their antenna react to the smell of reindeer urine, and for an added bonus, the pheromones secreted between their toes. <laughs> so when the flies emerge as adults, they can easily track down the reindeer from as much as 30 miles away through the scent of their urine and the hormones from between their toes, which is obviously going to be left everywhere they walk. So those are the amazing uh, additional P factors we have. I, I've seen some video of uh, caribou getting harassed by parasites. It is pretty pitiful. Mm -hmm. They roll yeah. around and go into the water, and yeah, they'll, they, they'll just swim in the water for hours. Yeah, they, they don't, don't like it out. at all. That's I don't blame them. That's for squirting. <laughs> Ow. hey oh, hey -o. Yeah, They don't like them at all. Yeah, well, and I guess since uh, we're waiting on Derek, right? Uh, we got a little bit of extra time. We'll go really quickly. Actually, domestic differences. We don't want to really end short. with nose maggots. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, domestic. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. The differences. Merry are, Christmas. This, this is actually really short. Uh, some believe that reindeer That's what were she domesticated. Said. Yeah. <laughs> Some believe they were uh, domesticated as far back as 7,000 years, while others can only agree to argue on two to 3,000 years yeah. ago. 3,000 for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've relied on them for a long time regardless, and to this day, uh, it's still they are still more commonly described as semi-domesticated. Uh, two reasons. First, they've never been subject to selective breeding until relatively recently, uh, and... It's also un it's also very common for human kept reindeer to breed with wild reindeer, so uh. interbreeding does take place. But uh, you know, it just kind of happens naturally because most reindeer herds are just kind of let go, and then you you know you round right. them up. The, when the only you need exception to. would be ones that are continually penned. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Corral. Yeah, but those that get to roam around and graze, you know, they bump into their wild uh, relatives all Resident. the time, and you know, they they readily interbreed. Uh, major differences are uh, the semi-domesticated are slightly smaller and they have shorter snouts. 
they can be more colorful. Uh, there's occasionally pinto reindeer, uh, also known as pieball or painted. George, you'd be very familiar based on your wiener. Yes, I do. Have a... <laughs> Whoa. And I, yes, we've all seen George's wiener. I don't have a painted yeah. wiener. I have though. not seen George's wiener. <laughs> You've seen Archie. Max has, uh, Max has, has its own no. name. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, that uh, When under a captive milking program, they have udders 25% larger than a wild reindeer. So that's kind of hot, you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a good time for a bell, you guys. Yeah. Uh, they give. <laughs> they give birth a month earlier than wild reindeers. Uh, they're also less ambitious in migration and have less endurance during the process. Uh, and this might be a no-brainer, but they're also tamer, tamer, more tolerant of people, and are easily trained. So that's all I got on reindeers. We actually made it, you guys. We oh, made it. We did it. it. All right. We did it. Yeah. You got anything else, George? No other, well, one more thing about the antlers. I did read um, the small herds that they have in China are, no surprise, used for uh, medicinal purposes. Of the antlers? They're soft antlers. Uh, and that's the main market that they have. Huh, reindeer antler. Yeah. What do they think that it's curing? Well, it, or? Well, it, it does have growth hormone in it. Really? And So this is legit? Yeah. No. Yes. It does have growth hormone. Well, no, but I mean, it's not going to help. Well, I'm just saying that's what it has like in it. Virility no. or human wieners? Well, list all the things in Chinese medicine that don't help. Yeah. Rhino <laughs> horn. List. If it's but, the product of an animal. But sports nothing. people here have been have been busted for using the antler, reindeer antler? Antler spray. No way. Antler spray. Oh. Ray Lewis? Um, wow. BJ Singh. Um, the golfer? Yeah. No oh, shit. Oh man. Uh, baseball added it to their oh. list of band. Right. And they 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 qualified it as just um, the there, big there's, there's dangerous things DJ in it. Thing. Um I I think it most likely falls in with all their ones that doesn't do anything. Yeah, right. Um but huh. but that is the major thing they use them for in in China. I'll be damned. They don't eat them at all. Huh? <clears throat> they just harvest the horns. Well, I know they they're, the horns are the antlers um, are used for carving and other types well, of this native is, This is while they're early on. Like scrimshaw? Yeah. This is long before they lose their velvet. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's the blood-filled velvet component that they're really after. Gotcha. That has that, growth hormone it's in still, it. Huh. Yeah. It's still a cartilage-based. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting process, like antler growth anyway. They cut yeah. it oh, yeah. in the... Um, Chinese cut them into rings and then, of course, make a soup out of it. What do they do with the tentacles? (laughs) 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 They classify them. They divide them into three parts. The bony end. I'll give you a bony end. Like it's rindiramari. The cartilage end and then the tip of it um, is is like rubbery. Yeah. Like dad (laughs) dad and grandpa always fight over the tip. Yeah, because it's rubbery. (laughs) Excellent. <laughs> hey, there's Marlo. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. All right. Beer review. Beer review. Yeah. Mouthfeel. George? Um, I, I don't know. Mouthfeel. It, 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 warm. Yeah. I mean, it has kind of a warm 
And that must just be the I mul- think that's by design. Like multi multi yeah. part in it. It's mm-hmm. not real effervescent. It's welcoming winter. It is. It welcomes winter in nicely, I think. Mm-hmm. Into my mouth. Yeah. Past the gums. Look out, stomach. It definitely has a it comes. It has a faint metallic taste at the end. It's probably just that bottle. Uh, I'm gonna totally give you that, and I think yeah. that sometimes certain malts can give a little bit of that. You yeah. know, uh, I think that like stupid metallic. foil wrap on it help doesn't. It help could any. be the foil wrap. I got a little <laughs> foil stuck in my mouth. You know, so foiled again. All right. How about yeah. some numbers? Uh, crap. I mean, it's it's kind of unlike anything you get, and this is actually, you know, uh, well, and it's wait, a limited release our, beer for Samuel Smith's. winter warmer in a row. Yeah, two, two in a row. Two in a row. What? Uh, it's the season. And the other one? We need a warmer after this show. Yeah. The other one was also excellent. Yeah. Uh, you know what? This one, I mean, old school recipe, old school brewery. They've been doing it right for a long time. I'm going to slap a freaking fat solid nine on it. I was going to. I had. I had one of the. I had the uh, festivus last night. Just so to remember. I go eight and a quarter. Person. Eight and a quarter for George. But I'm going to definitely do a solid nine too. Yeah. I like this a lot better. Yes. Um. And Agreed. it did get a little bit better as it well, warmed up. And these guys, they don't fuck yeah. around and put oh, a no. whole bunch of like pumpkin pie bullshit spices in no. it, you know, uh, just to like jazz it up a little bit and call it winter. They just like know that you know everybody has been loving this as their winter welcome for years. I mean, yeah. You know, it brings us all into uh, the season it does. with a delicious warm belly, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joy in our hearts, warm bellies. Uh, All right, Merry Christmas. And a, a hint people. of pee. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, if you had a little urine, you can't go around. Yeah, add a little urine in there. You'll be fine. Exactly. Peace out, folk. Word. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then how the reindeer loved him as they shouted out with glee. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you've forgotten his story.